Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at the Fledge, and welcome to season two, episode 28, with our great friend Marshall Kelly, also known as Flower Trauma. And we're going to be talking about music and art and the queer experience and uh, mental health and cancel culture and harm reduction <laughs> and whatever else life throws at us right now. <laughs> so, first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing good. Yep, I just got up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we described you as a, a queer music uh, musician and artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's jump into that for a second. Uh, you've got a big release coming up? Yeah, on Sunday, uh, January 30th, I'm dropping a single with my first music video. Um, it's, so the music video will be on YouTube, but the song's just going to be on SoundCloud. I'm really excited about it. I've never had a music video, so... Yeah, I'm super stoked. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll put some links in a little bit to different things that yeah. people can follow and watch you. Um, I'm sure Shannon's out there watching and will do it for <laughs> us. Uh, so let so you kind of how would you describe your music? What kind of musician do you have? A genre? Do you? Um, yeah, it's so complicated. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that like when I have to describe it, I usually just tell people that I have like big influences, but I don't really think that there's a specific genre I would put it with. Like Ezra always says electronic erotica. That's the yeah. genre that they've uh, created. Who's, who's Ezra? <laughs> That's my twin. <laughs> uh, my twin uh, is named Ezra and they're very brilliant. And I think, I don't know, like we do electronic stuff. We do, um, I don't know. It's like a mixture of everything. I always tell people it's like if you took a SoundCloud rapper, but their big in, biggest influence was Elliot Smith. That would be me. Okay. Yeah. I always just ramble off words that I don't know what they really means. <laughs> Pre-punk, emo, yeah. something that I have no idea what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and you're, are you in a, a band, a group, uh, something with your brother as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So then me and Ezra do, um, it's called Non-Binary. And that's the two of us. And um, other people are joining. But um, right now our... Um, producer is matt waterman who was on the show the other day and yeah. he's yeah the most brilliant amazing most talented producer that was a rerun i gotta get him on for real this year oh really yeah. i thought it was i thought it was a new one so uh all right let's transition into art how, okay. how do you describe uh the art that you produce um the art i produce um i feel like i don't i don't know how i describe it really it's really just i usually just draw these little figures and i you've seen them yeah. <laughs> and uh then I'll just write like words that I think are important with it or um, put like a feeling behind it. Like I've done a lot that are like, you know, like a heartbreak feeling or something like that. But for the most part, I usually just try to do like two, two figures together. So then it's like a connection or something um, pretty instead of something sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know you, I don't want to get on too far of an NFT tangent, but we, <laughs> You know, we are talking about NFTs. Are yep. you excited to do that? Are you, what I'm, are you thinking? I'm super excited. Um, I think that NFTs are really cool. And I think that um, it's really important. And it's, I don't know if this is even like the whole point of it at all, because I really don't understand the point of it that much yet. But I like that artists are getting compensated closer to what they deserve. Yeah. And like, I think that that was something that was 
not it's it has never been easy to do but like when i see like all my biggest inspirations that are visual artists then you know it's like their stuff sells for so much i mean they're all dead now though would would you say that every artist has like an underlying mission that they're trying to do like the artists who did this they probably have some mission right they're they're trying to show the beauty of yeah. michigan or of nature yeah i was just talking about this the other day um i think that like the main purpose of life and the only thing that matters after we die is connection and i think that you know like other than that just being like me and you we know each other so we're connected that you can do that with people that's why people are sad when their favorite musician dies that's why people are sad when their favorite artist dies because you're connected to them through something that came from them that was super important to them so that's like a connection yeah yeah so you know i think that i like nfts because you can get behind an artist who has a cause that you start to fund that cause right yeah. i mean if you had a million dollars worth of NFTs. Yep. Are you buying a mansion and a big boat or <laughs> are you going to further? What would you further? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I, yeah, I mean, that's so specific to a person, but I mean, like for me, I, if I had a million dollars, I wouldn't have a million dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I feel like I would be very much trying to spread that. And yeah, like with like a mission behind it, then yeah, I mean, like I always, my biggest dream is to put a lot of money into like harm reduction in all different sorts of ways, but also really just like community based, you know, like, like actually like, oh, like if there's like, like my friends who have trouble paying rent and stuff, it's like, why would I not? Right. Why, if, if you can afford it, why would you not do it? Uh, that Going back to my show I did the other day about poverty, mm -hmm. we want to be surrounded with people that are healthy and happy and thriving and why don't we take care of each other's basic needs a little bit better? Exactly. And like, why are people so afraid to do it? You know, like they're actually, it's like people are actually so scared to lose what they have, even though what they have is infinitely more substantial than what other people have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, harm reduction, mm -hmm. most people will think of that in terms of like Narcan or needle exchanges mm -hmm. and really in the substance use space. Mm -hmm. Do you, how do you, what's your main or what's what's your definition um i think that harm reduction i think that it does have a lot to do <clears throat> with um you know like helping people who are struggling with substance use and stuff but i think that more like just get deeper into it it's like to stop um isolating people and like shaming them for whatever it may be it could have nothing to do with drugs you know it could have everything to do with just how you view them as a person and for whatever reason you think that your judgment is more important than another's and so you isolate a person you push them away um whether that's you know like by canceling them or just having something personally wrong with them and it's just not helpful or like not supporting someone because you think their decisions don't <clears throat> align with yours like on things that do not affect your life or affect others lives you know like it's only affecting their life you're not taking care of the people because you think the decisions that affect only their life are harmful um but really you're harming them by isolating them into that situation if you really think that it's dangerous or not good for them then you're isolating them further right yeah and you know i have a lot of opinions about cancel culture yeah. i am anti-cancel culture for that very reason mm -hmm. uh you can get canceled for being anti-cancel culture. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, you know, sometimes, I don't know, that it's just so frustrating to me to 
see somebody who might be causing harm mm -hmm. and us immediately trying to get them out of our community, go cause harm somewhere else. Exactly. And if we have that, why can't we help them stop causing harm? Why can't we walk them into a safer space? Well, no, exactly. I think that, I mean, with cancel culture, I don't agree with it either. Like, I think that I was, you know, like I've, I've said this a thousand times to a thousand different people is just like, if you don't agree with the prison system, then you can't agree with cancel culture because it's the same, it's the same mindset. And that's to isolate a person and have no rehabilitation. I don't think that anyone should have to be in communication or like have to come into contact at all with someone who's harmed them. I think that's a personal choice, mm -hmm. but I also don't think that the harmful person should be isolated um, just because then they're just going to go do it again. They're just going to keep doing it. It's just going to be a chain reaction and they're just going to keep being pushed and pushed. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, I mean, at that point, it's probably going to get worse and worse. It's not going to get better. And there's, so there's only one other way to go. Right. So I think that, yeah, like, I mean, I, I think that it's really important to actually try to rehabilitate, help these people. Um, because also, I mean, with anything, with any harmful thing that anyone does, whether that's, you know, a super small toxic trait to like really, really harmful things to others, then there's like an underlying reason that that's happening. It's not just because, I mean, for the most part, it's not just because they were born to be harmful, right? You so, know, they were probably harmed. They were, there's something happened and they need to get that healed in them. Our societies and our systems have caused this, right? Mm -hmm. They turn this innocent baby yeah. into maybe a monster in some cases. Exactly. And so I always take ownership for that. Yeah. I always say we did this to them. And yeah. I know it frustrates people because they're like, I had nothing to do with that or I mm -hmm. didn't do that to them. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of our communities, our society is all stick and no carrot. Yeah. And what, you know, we try to beat people into conforming with some social norm. Exactly. Yet we don't, we're not there for them when they need the love and they need, you know, whatever the, the healing. Exactly. Yeah. So what, uh, what are some things you're doing right now in the, uh, harm reduction or anti-cancel culture space? Um, <clears throat> I think, I mean, I could be doing infinitely more. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll always feel that way, but I mean, currently for the most part, I mean, like at my, um, when I play a show, I'll always make sure to bring um, Narcan for sure. And like any other harm reduction supplies that I can bring um, like condoms or, you know, toothbrushes, uh, clean needles. Um, but more than that, um, it's really just talking to people about it. Like I just try to, talk to people about it like in any setting you know like i'm like sitting in a room with my friends i'll be like so how do you guys feel about this like you know yeah. like just just try and see if we're all on the same page <clears throat> and i think that it's a lot like what i've noticed it's all the um all the people who have been there for me like the most you know who like i would consider like the most sympathetic and empathetic people in my life are usually the people that are like on the same page where it's like okay yeah like you know we need to help other people like there's no there's no reason to let harm keep happening you know right. like and i think i don't know it also comes from like you know like a place of like no judgment and so there's so many things that go into it i don't even know how to <laughs> like put it all into words but i think that um for the most part it's talking to people about it and trying to 
um, see if their perspective can be at least like a little bit changed so that they can practice like being there for other people who need it and like not letting those people feel ashamed or guilty. Yeah. Yeah. How, how does this relate to the queer experience for you, whether it's cancel culture or harm reduction mm -hmm. or even music and art? Yeah. Um, I think like it's, it all really does go together in my brain, but uh, I think with the queer experience, um, harm reduction in every different way is really important because a lot of queer people are struggling or, you know, like pushed out of their families or, you know, like they're like, you know, their friends don't want to talk to them anymore or when they come out or something, you know, and then, you know, I mean, we're super lucky to live where we do because it's like everyone's queer. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, I mean, like not everyone, but like half the East side is like, it's just a huge queer community. And like, I'm super lucky to be so involved in that. But a lot of people don't have that in other spaces, you know, so I feel like that's you like, you wouldn't believe how many people I've met. And I'm just like, how did you ever even hear about Lansing? Like, why did you move here? Uh -huh. Like, I was born here, you know, so um, and a lot of them uh, are like queer people who moved here to get away from, you know, like, they're like small town in Ohio, or they're small town in Kentucky. And to like, find that safety net. And then like, that's almost like the harm reduction itself is yeah. that, you know, like you're, you have people around you that are like you that want the best for you, that don't want you to be different than you are, that want you to feel proud of who you are instead of ashamed. And, you know, I often think about, so we have the Refugee Development Center. Lansing is a refugee resettlement mm -hmm. uh, zone in the nation. And I often think about the, ref the queer refugees that come from like a Dansville or a Grand Ledge yeah. or whatever, and they are they're escaping violence they're escaping exactly. threat and and fear and all of these things mm -hmm. and i think about i wonder because we are so used to accepting new people that don't look like us that don't have the same food as us that have different thoughts of us yeah. if that's if we've had exercise and we're practiced at it yeah. and it makes the queer community feel more welcome here mm -hmm. and now it's 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 massive so yeah. it just attracts now it's like a planet yeah no i had a friend the other day from like uh she lives down near detroit and she was saying to me like oh yeah you know like people know lansing like other people in michigan know lansing as like a queer yeah. um community like a like you know i mean it's like how everyone thinks about like saga tuck or you know like <laughs> like um i thought that was crazy because i I think being from here too, like, I don't understand how anyone else views it, you know, like when I was well, living, we're fish in water. Yeah. Right? You know, so exactly. we can't really tell that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I thought that was really cool. And I don't know, I do think that Lansing is like a really good spot and I, it's really nice to like hear when people do come here and just be like, wow, like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like we do have something really special yeah. and just like a really tight knit community that like does care about each other. I think that, uh, you know, if I say the Refugee Development Center mm -hmm. and the Afghan Afghanistan refugees or Afghani refugees, I say the avenue and everything that Colleen's created yeah. over there is the Refugee Development Center of the queer refugees. No, is it definitely fair? is. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, I feel, I like, I mean, the avenue 
is like the best thing I feel like that's happened to like any queer person. Like, <laughs> like, like, um, I don't know when I, me and Ezra started going there when we were 18, cause it used to be 18 plus it wasn't 21 plus. And I just remember when we started going there, I was like, Oh my God, like everyone here is so amazing. Like everyone here is so nice. And like, we were not liked in high school and you know, like, so it was like, wow, this is only, 10, 15 minutes from my high school, you right. know, like, and everyone here thinks that I'm cool, you know, like, they think that I'm not, like, the most annoying, lame person, you know, like, <laughs> it was, like, just so shocking, like, to be, like, wow, like, we're actually, like, appreciated here, you know? Yeah, 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 and, uh, you know, Luna, I'm not gonna put, I mean, yeah, I'll put it in Dansville in middle school. This they spray painted that I was a yep. FAG on the side of my school. This was my escape for sure. So sorry about that, Luna. I'm sorry, Luna. Um, Luna's going to be on the show on Sunday, everybody. So that's going to be a I good show Luna. too. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, Shannon said, "I love you, son." I love you so much, Shannon. I miss you. And Shannon's sitting there. Oh shit! Jerry's gonna come out on the show today. <laughs> um, so, uh, mental health. Mm -hmm. Now, how does all this start to wrap around that, or I don't know, entangle with that? Yeah, I mean, with it, it's super. It all leads to one another because it's like, I mean, without harm reduction then mental health issues are just going to get worse and worse. Um, and without safe, safe spaces and, um, you know, like harm reduction within the career community, then those people are going to get more mentally ill as well. Um, because I mean, like, it's all like, I mean, it's all of this shit is necessary because of, you know, like isolating people, and making them feel ashamed is not making people feel welcomed or like they're they're free to be who they are. And I don't know, it's just, it all, that's really the basic line of it is like, I mean, if people feel like they're not accepted mm -hmm. and that they're not appreciated and that they're worthless, then obviously, you know, like, then you're never gonna feel good about yourself. You're gonna right. feel so alone and isolated and it's like, a ser it's a serious issue because you know you don't want anyone to feel like that ever and like that's the same thing we were saying with like cancel culture and everything you know is like it's like if we're isolating people they're going to act out like there there's going to be more harm done um than there is removed yeah so with mental health i mean it's really i think you know like i've been i focus a lot on mental health issues just because i struggled with it for so long but um if you don't have community and you don't have things like there to reduce harm that you could do to yourself, then you're not going to be able to work through those things, you know, like, cause there's a lot of healing and shit that does need to go into everyone's experience. Like all of us, I mean, not all of us, I guess, but all of us. Yeah. I guess like all of us had, you know, like something traumatic in our childhood, whether like no matter how big or small other people view what that was, that's the worst you know, that's like the thing that's affecting mm -hmm. you now. Or I mean, you know, in your late teens and your early adulthood, whatever. Last week. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like it's like it's just constant. So like you need to like we need to be focused on it so that we can work through it instead of letting it get worse and worse. Cause then that's why people have the issues that they do with 
attachment or vulnerability and stuff like that like i think that you know you kind of you nailed it with the connection thing mm -hmm. i always say that connection is the opposite of everything bad mm -hmm. so if you are using mm -hmm. the more connections you have then one you've got your you've got this diverse crowd in front of you mm -hmm. that one of them has narcan one of them has safe needles one of them has a connection at a rehab facility mm -hmm. one of them has yeah. a place for you to live yeah. and as we take people away mm -hmm. from your connections in your community you take opportunity to change and heal and whatever away yeah exactly no yeah i mean with connection it's literally again the only thing that will matter after we die the absolute only thing um and that's why it's so important now and i mean for anyone like i mean if you're struggling or if you're not i mean everyone's struggling in their own way you know but i mean from the smallest amount to the biggest amount you need that connection so that like you said you know yeah like you have all these resources in front of you because of your connection um and i mean that's actually the only reason that life matters it's it's the only reason the only reason that the only reason it would matter if I died right now is because you care about me and because Shannon cares about me and my parents care about me and Ezra, you know, like if, if none of you knew me and none of you cared about me, it wouldn't we, matter. We are your parents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, those other parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, as you, you know, I, I'm thinking about continuums right now, right? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, we all have are things right mm -hmm. but some of them are more horrific more violent more harmful than i think others and i think that harm reduction really works within that mm -hmm. continuum right yeah i mean we all have different solutions or what have you yeah what do you what do you think about cancel culture in the continuum because some people are like cancel them right now mm -hmm. and i have a very wide tolerance mm -hmm. but i still probably have a level mm -hmm. you know if they're hurting little kids yeah, and yeah. stuff like that it's i'm gonna be like let's try to find a way where we don't have to cure them and we still stop it and yeah. that's gonna be violence on our side probably yeah. or cancel well cancel doesn't work yeah you've got to you got to solve the problem yeah. one way or another yeah i mean I mean, obviously, you know, like there's like a line when it comes to it where it's just like, okay, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the person that's gonna go and yeah, like rehabilitate someone who's hurting children or, you know, yeah. like something like that. Like, but there's, um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, I mean, like, I guess then it just like comes down to like there being either people who are willing or, some sort of system that we can have those people be held accountable and have those people get rehabilitated um without there being the you know like people who would be that who could also be harmed in the process yeah um so i mean i don't really know exactly what that looks like well, I, <laughs> I, I mean you, you jump to oh let's lock them up and then <laughs> let's give them treatment while they're locked up but yeah. now we can't afford the treatment so let's just lock them up let's and not have treatment yeah and it's the and they die yeah and it's the uh the prison system that we were talking about earlier yeah so uh let's talk a little bit tactics okay. and let's talk to the crowd what if somebody Let's let's start with uh, 
you were queer for a long time. Mm-hmm. You didn't talk about that. You yeah. didn't do anything yeah. about that. Yeah. And your family had a reaction to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't want to out anything yeah, yeah. with that. Yeah. But it's difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, uh, what do you recommend for parents? Get on their side for a second. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing a parent should do? Um, when they're, kid comes out yeah um i mean really just accept and support them um i think for me also coming out as trans especially like i basically viewed it i tried to also view it from a parental expect uh perspective which you know is like okay like my daughter is gone Mm -hmm. like she still exists but she's not her anymore right you know and I think that it's fair for um, people to an extent to have, you know, like to struggle with that and to feel like a little bit heartbroken because I mean, being a parent, you know, it's like, okay, like I picked my child's name, uh, you know, and it's like, yeah. I mean, now they're grown. And so you don't get to make those decisions for them anymore. Um, but I think that, I mean, you need to come forward with acceptance and love and support because or else they're just going to go down. They're not going to trust you. You know, I mean, and that goes with anything. Like if someone tells you anything that is hard for them to admit Mm -hmm. and you react in a bad way, you know, like you like get angry with them or whatever, they're never going to tell you that again. It's over. Like you just ruined it. Right. And that's literally, I mean, that's a split second of your entire life that you have the chance to make the right or wrong decision, the right or wrong decision. You know, do you, well, a couple of things here. One is you knew for a long time. So is, is yeah, that true? It's complicated. It's like me and Ezra talked about it our whole lives. Like, I mean, starting at two years old, like we would, we were raised Catholic. We prayed to God every night that we would wake up boys every night <laughs> together. And um, so, I mean, one, I was super lucky to have someone to go through it with. And two, um, we didn't know what we didn't know it was possible we didn't know that you could be trans um but it took me honestly a long time i think to figure it out it's like it so that's where it's weird is like i knew that i was a boy but you kind of just repress it and repress it and repress it because you're like well like you know like i i guess i'm just a girl (laughs) and then uh, when i got a little bit older and started learning about more you know like being trans and just being queer in different ways it took me a long time to realize that I liked um, like that I liked girls or that I liked anyone who wasn't just a cis boy. And then it was like kind of me accepting that. I think that an issue was that we were asked our whole lives. Yeah. I don't think you should ask kids if they're queer. I think if they tell you, then you should just accept it. But I, you shouldn't ask them because I do think that that was damaging to me. I think that that made me repress it more because it felt like a negative thing that they were asking me like they'd be like what are you gay or something like in oh, kids would an ask implication us, in it yeah like and kids would ask us that and adults too like adults would ask my parents when we were like four years old right. if we were gay you know and it's like dude like they're four <laughs> years old and um so i think that there's there's problems and i don't again i don't even think it was inherently malicious or anything for people to be asking us that but also there was a negative connotation that came with it that then I think made us repress it for really long. And then 
it was kind of like a waking moment just being like no we've known this like we like, what are we doing why are we wasting our time it's been 18 years of life together and we know what we want yeah ezra came out before i did though i think that helped yeah. me too did uh was that did you get questions immediately after that that were similar to those other questions like are you trans too are you queer too yeah a lot of people write when because so we came out as queer at the same time but then ezra came out as trans a year okay. and a half before i did okay and so when we came out as queer then like it was just whatever like i started dating a girl and then ezra started dating you know it was like whatever and then when ezra came out as trans then i also had never heard of non-binary and so then i asked them a lot of questions and i was like so like you know like because me and ezra never referred to each other as our birth names yeah ever we would call each other babe always <laughs> like i'm sure you remember that we never called each other by our names i do remember that yeah <laughs> i thought you called everyone babe or something, yeah. but, I was wrong, wasn't I? <laughs> but we um i asked them a lot of questions and then when you're a twin it's kind of difficult because then people are like oh like are you like people basically will accuse you of copying what your twin does when really like i'm sorry we're identical twins we literally were one being before we were two you're genetically we are matched. genetically the same oh, yeah <laughs> like um and then ezra told me one day uh while we were driving there it's like i just need you to know that if you if you feel this way too i would never think that you were copying me and i think that that pushed me really to be like okay i can't accept this and i'm not just i'm not just like thinking that this might be me because it's them and it's yeah. like a imposter syndrome you know like you don't you're like oh god we're so similar but i don't you know? and <laughs> like, imposter syndrome is such a beast yeah. <laughs> uh, i want to i want to go to something and it's going to lead into my next question Luna said the name change seems to be the really hard for them in my experience with mine and uh, friends, their parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you call that the dead name, yep. right? Sometimes the dead birthday, yep. right? And so if we're using that word, mm -hmm. is there a mourning period, like mourning, like M-O-U-R, yeah, yeah. that, the, that the family went through or goes through or do they not recognize that they're going through that um i think i mean it depends on the family but it's i think that it's really hard for a parent i mean like my mom looked forward to naming me what she named me like always like she's <laughs> like and i still oh, yeah i kept my initials the same specifically um because also I started going by my initials before I changed my name. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not gonna, you know, like be like, oh, like, why do they call you MK if your name is Alex, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, but I think that there is a mourning period because that's, I mean, like, even, you know, I mean, people ask you all the time, like, oh, like, you know, like, I, I mean, like, growing up, I remember people would always be like, oh, like, if you had a kid, what would you name it? You know, like, that's like a big thing that people enjoy doing is picking right. their kids' names, you know, like, well, there's probably people in high school writing down their <laughs> potential kids' names. Exactly. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, Not I think because that, they're pregnant, but they're yeah. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I think changing also just what you refer to someone as, um, a lot of people struggle with, but especially when it's your kid, cause like, you're like, oh, like, you know, no one's known you longer than your parents. No one's been as connected to you for that long as your parents. Right. I mean, it, for the most part and so I, I think there is like a grieving like a mourning process of that 
person. I do think that there is. I think that it's, um, I, this might be an unpopular opinion in the like queer community, but I think it's kind of fair. Like I, I don't blame my parents for um, having a hard time uh, transitioning what they call us and stuff like that. Um, See, it's better than the opposite though, mm -hmm. right? Get away from me for the rest of your life. Exactly. And now you've yeah. lost your parents. You've lost the connection to your family. Mm -hmm. It's on that continuum of exactly. that harm reduction and the connection. Exactly. And I mean, like, I don't know, to me, I'm just like, I don't really mind that much anymore. I think that when I first started transitioning, it like really, really bothered me. Like if I got misgendered or stuff like that. And I don't think that anyone should, like, I'm not saying that everyone should just let it be easier because it's not how it is. But for me, like if, if like my family or like any of my friends or anything like misgender me or something like that, like I really don't make a big deal about it. I'm just like, whatever, like I look at me, you know, <laughs> I'm like, do I like, if I walk into a gas station, no one thinks I'm a girl. I, you know? I tried really hard in the beginning yeah, I and I made mistakes yeah. and, you know, I'd say things like, oh, I'm so sorry and all of yeah. that. So now I'm, I'm making you respond to me, yeah. and make me feel better. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. And I learned later the better thing to say is thank you mm -hmm. and yep. move on yeah. and like, not make the big, Hey, Oh my God. And it's all about me now. No, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's like being corrected on anything, you know, like you should be more thankful for being educated than feel sorry for feeling ashamed, yeah. you know, which I mean, like I get, obviously I've like, I've misgendered people before I've like mess up and call my friend their dead name or, you know, stuff like that. And I get it. I'll be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> like, and like, I think also half of that is because I know how it feels from their perspective. Cause it's crazy. It is weird. Like how disconnected you get from that person, but also like me and Ezra were talking about recently, like how much you still love those people that you were, you know, like you feel bad for them that mm -hmm. they were trapped yeah, inside, you know, like what you wanted to be. So, yeah, I think that responding with thank you is definitely better because it, you know, it's not that you inherently were trying to be harmful. You just had a moment of, you made a mistake, you know? <laughs> See, I, I never made a mistake on your names mm -hmm. because, except for confusing you two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was the point is that I confused you two before. Yeah. <laughs> and so I never knew, used your names. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey, the kid. one who can skate good. Yeah. Come here. <laughs> Um, so let's leave our community with one simple thing they could do today to promote harm reduction or to reconnect with someone. Um, I think, I mean, just like a very base level, as you can tell anyone, if you're close with them, if you haven't talked to them in a while, anything that you care about them and that you're thinking about them ask them what's going on in their life. Um, that's, I mean, just the most basic. Do you have anybody you want to say that to? Um, I love you, Shannon. <laughs> I love you, B. I love you, Luna. Oh, I didn't even know Zero's watching. I love you, Zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, just everyone watching, like, everyone deserves to be loved. And I, I think everyone should, you know, be working towards more. And I love y'all too. And I think about you all the time and I hope we start taking care of each other better, yeah. basic needs, 
harm reduction, yeah. connection, mm -hmm. music and art and culture, of yeah. course, and uh, thriving in our diverse community that thinks different and smells different and <laughs> looks different and all the great things yep. that come with that diversity. Yep. I love you too. I love you. And I appreciate you coming on the show. That is a wrap for every damn day. You want to take us out with any? Oh, we get yeah, a we hug? Can, uh, yeah. Um, you want to take us out with anything in particular? Um, January 30th, Sunday, my music video and my single drop. It's called Fallen Angel. Um, I'll be posting it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. Um, you can follow me at Flower Trauma with a V instead of a U. I know it's confusing, but that's it. <laughs> um, but we love you guys. See y'all. Thank you. <laughs>